Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, put out of her, she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. The Bible says, the scriptures insist, and God needs that the characters we meet in the passages we read cannot simply be examples. They cannot be always those about whom we say, wow, I need to be more like, or if I was more like them. They have to be invitations to embody how we will follow Jesus. They have to be those that allow us to imagine what the kingdom of God looks like and that the kingdom starts with whole life living. They have to be invitations to embody how we will follow Jesus. This quote jumped out at me when I was reading blogs and um, different books and commentaries, that's the word, <laughs> about our passage tonight. It jumped out at me because when I read the passage, the way I've always read it, seeing the widow as an example of true discipleship, I was left with more questions than answers. Questions about the nature of God, the place of poverty, injustice, and what the voice of Jesus says to this poor widow. Because what I want is a new way. I want a new way to see this passage. A new way of hearing Jesus' voice and a new appreciation of the kingdom values I am called to live out and a new way to embody how I follow Jesus. I don't know as if when we read this passage, you wanted that as well. If you didn't want that, then potentially tonight's sermon's not going to be down the avenue you're looking for because I believe that tonight we have a new way of looking at this passage. I believe that tonight we have an opportunity to look at this passage from a fresh point of view, from a fresh angle, and see in it another voice of Jesus, the voice of Jesus that is standing up for injustice, that is calling out systems that impoverish women need to give their last coins to the house of God. Before we open up the word together and dive into this passage, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you 
that your word is alive. That when we open up your word, it's not just another story. It's not just another article. It's not just another piece of work we get to read. That when we open up your word, your voice speaks to us through it. So we pray that tonight, your voice might speak to us. That what we are left with is your voice speaking into our hearts, speaking into our lives, speaking into our souls. So that we can embody where you call us to be in this world. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Our passage this evening comes from Luke's Gospel. It comes nearing the end of the Gospel and therefore nearing the end of Jesus' life. This encounter was one that is leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. It was probably in around the last couple of weeks of Jesus' life. It's not classed as part of the passion narrative. You might know of that. Um, it's sometime, we sometimes celebrate that and have stations of the cross and different things. But the passion narrative is like the lead up, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This passage isn't part of that. But I think it has significance as we look and as we actually look into Lent, as we look into Easter, as we approach what the cross is saying to us. The passage comes, if you look at it, um, if you have a Bible or you have the passage on your phone, um, the passage comes after Jesus has spoken to the, in the temple and is spoken out against some of the temple systems. And then it comes before Jesus declares the destruction of the temple. That the temple is not the place where everything is held together. That putting all of your effort and energy and time into the temple is not actually what followers of Jesus are called to. So this passage comes in between these two passages, which I think is important as we read on. Keeping this in mind, let's look again at the passage. I'm going to read it um, again for us. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He saw some poor widow put two very small coi copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, gave all she had to live on. I'm going to read it again, see if you spot the difference. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He, saw, he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Verse 
I have always read this passage as commendation, seeing the widow as a great example of godliness, someone being so caught up in her faith, in her religion, that even her last two coins were given away. But as I read around the passage, I started to see it in a new light, that maybe Jesus is not commending the widow, but the point of the passage is that Jesus is condemning a system that allowed a widow to give her last two coins into the house of God. Luke, the writer of this gospel, was very familiar with Jewish traditions and customs and used these to speak of parallels to what the new way of Jesus would look like. Chapter 20, verses 45 to 47 are worth a look at, especially um, verse 47. It says this, They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Jesus was saying what these people in the temple are doing are devouring widows' houses. Why? Why are you doing this? Widows are not to have their houses devoured. Your system is not right. Widows are held up in the Bible as people in society we should care for support and reintegrate into society. They were vulnerable and poor, and God's people were not to exploit them, but to care for them. This is what Jesus is trying to get at, I think. So we find in our passage a parallel between the widow's offering and the wealthy person's offering. Take 10 seconds. When you give offerings, who do you associate more with? The widow or the wealthy? The widow or the wealthy, in the offerings you give, who do you associate with? Unfair question, I suppose. Because if you heard the quote at the beginning, I propose there's another way. I propose we should be drawn more to what Jesus is doing in our passage. Because I think if we're drawn into that, we find this invitation to embody a new way that we can follow him. But I think it's worth just pausing slightly and looking at these two offerings, looking at the wealthy and looking at the widow, because I think they do shed some light on how we give offerings. I know that for me, as I prepared, they shed shed, um, some light on how I give my offerings. You see, it's easy to be the wealthy one. Maybe you know you are that one. You give to the church, or you serve, or you give to your family. But deep down, you want people to notice you. This has been what I've been like this week. I have been giving out of wealth, not financial, but I've been giving and I wanted people to notice. I have jam-packed my diary and every two minutes wanted people to tell me how great I was doing. 
I didn't want this because I wanted to show people. I wanted people to notice that all the good things I was doing were worth noticing. This is what the wealthy people were doing. They weren't giving to worship God. They were giving to be noticed. And giving in itself is not a bad thing. We are called to give. Part of this series is a calling to give. But where this is coming from needs to be assessed and acknowledged. Giving to give is not the calling of Jesus on you. Or maybe you are the widow. You feel wrung out, completely done in, and all you have is two little coins or whatever else it feels like will tip you over the edge. And you give that away and that leads to you being in a worse poverty. Giving to give is not the calling of Jesus on you. Dave shared a few weeks ago about a conference they'd been to, and he was, uh, the conference was down south, and it was on money and giving. And he'd said about um, when he was going, he was um, telling us that he was going with real trepidation, because what he was anticipating was that the conference would either go in one of two directions. It would either talk about a gospel of poverty, or a gospel of prosperity. And he came back and he said, actually, they gave us a third way. They gave us a third way. And they said that there's a gospel of provision. There's not that we need to give and think that God's going to provide everything for us. And there's not a place that we need to give at being absolutely wrung out but there's a place where we can say, God will provide. God will provide just what I need, and that's the place that God is in. I think if we look at this passage in relation to giving, then Jesus is alluding to this third way. But I think as we move on, and we look at this passage in in a bigger light, we see that it highlights something else. Not just this message about giving. I think Jesus is calling out religious economic injustice. He's saying that there is a system that is corrupt. There is a system that is unjust, that is causing this woman to give her last two coins and lead her into poverty. I think what we can see in this is that we have an example of Jesus seeing injustice and Jesus speaking out injustice. So let's look at where we can see that in our passage. If you look at the start of the passage, the first statement is, as Jesus looked up. I love this. I couldn't work out what Jesus was doing that he had to look up from. But I like to think something pretty important or something that was taking up all of his concentration. Therefore, it was a conscious decision to look up. But I also imagine Jesus just being in the temple, 
not being up front, not leading, not preaching, not healing. He was just present, and present enough that he could see, present enough that he could see what was going on. And what he sees are these two people, one wealthy and one widow. He saw the whole of their stories, not just, oh, great, more money, or, oh, poor wee widow, which they both were. But he saw actually what the motives were, and more importantly, what the consequences would be. The widow gave all she had. One commentator said she gave unselfishly and unwisely. When she left the temple, she would have had no money, no money to buy food, no money to survive. This could have meant her walking out to her last few days on earth. Note the similarities to where Jesus was, walking out to his last days on earth as well. Jesus saw this. He saw the injustice in this. The temple expected people to give, but they had no social care. Jesus saw this. Therefore, his ministry and teaching would see that sometimes the subtleties of injustice in society. Jesus saw injustices like the lepers being excommunicated, children were being excluded, women were being excused, and the rich being exclaimed. And I think here he is seeing another injustice, that the system sends widows into poverty. Being seen can be profoundly healing. This week in our staff prayers, our counseling department led our prayers, and they were talking about the shift in people when they, see, when they acknowledge that they are loved. And I think, I've been thinking about that and how hard it must be to sit in that counseling session, being a counselor, hearing, seeing that person trying to explain to them they are loved. That takes effort. It takes time, it takes energy, and I'm sure it must be quite tiring to be present with someone, to really hear what they are saying. And I also think of the other places where it is tiring to see, to constantly put on the news or scroll through the news on your phone and see injustice in the world, or the niggles in the office that are just not okay, or taking time to navigate where you're, to investigate where your clothes are made, or buy in places that are actually speaking of justice. These things, speaking out for injustice, take, it takes time. It takes energy to see what is happening. It's easier sometimes to just go with the status quo. We all have busy lives. To think it's not really any of my business to get into that, to bother about what's happening over there. But where there is injustice, the invitation of Jesus is to see it. This is about accepting the invitation to embody how we follow Jesus. 
But Jesus doesn't just leave it and see it. He speaks. I wish Jesus said more in this passage. I wonder if he did and Luke just didn't record it. But what he does say can be heard as a condemnation or a commendation. Put in context, I think it can only be read as a condemnation for a system that made this woman out of her poverty feel like she had to give her last two coins. There is never a commendation of poverty in the scriptures. There's often a speaking out against unjust systems and situations and a call to God's people to care for those who are in poverty. The woman came into the temple poor, but left in poverty. There is no denying that this system was to blame for the woman's poverty. This system was fully rooted in the Jewish tradition. This was not something new or quirky, but Jesus saw the injustice and spoke out. This week was the 100th year of women getting the vote in Britain. An example of, speaking, of people speaking out for what they believe is, is an injustice. And other people have done the same too. The Me Too campaign of last year. Or there was a news article that Rich posted on Twitter about Bournemouth Council putting railings in the middle of benches so that the street homeless can't even lie down at night and have a sleep. Throughout our country and city, there are other small ways we all could speak out against injustice to those who are in poverty. Maybe this is in debt relief, or housing, or food banks, or night shelters, or street homelessness, or education, or provision. But speaking out against poverty, against injustice, takes guts. This is not for the faint-hearted. We see in the example of Jesus that he kept saying the same thing. This is sometimes what we need to do when we speak out. This is not about being radical or being annoying. This is about living out in action, one of the central outworkings of the kingdom and of the gospel. This is about accepting the new invitation to embody how we follow Jesus. The quote at the beginning encouraged us to see scripture as offering invitations to embody how we will follow Jesus. They have to be those that allow us to imagine what the kingdom of God looks like. And that kingdom starts with whole life living. Maybe like our passage, it is to see and it's to speak, to see where systems and situations need to be changed and to speak out against those systems and situations that are unjust in our world, in our society, in our city, in our places of influence. I leave you and I pray for you and for us all this verse from Isaiah. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. 
plead the case of the widow. Amen.